I I also feel a lot of people um, they hustle not because they want to do good, but they want to avoid addressing certain emotions or uh, situations in their personal lives. Hi, my name is Anand. I'm an MBA student at the University of Toronto. Welcome to the Why Coordinate, the weekly podcast where we discuss the why behind human society and behavior, using lessons from pop culture and our own experiences to lead a more intentional, efficient, and happy life. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Why Coordinate podcast. Uh, today, I have an exciting guest with me, and uh, the and the topic he's picked is something that I've been wanting to talk about since the start of this podcast, but. nobody ended up picking that topic until now so um i'd like to welcome uh, manjeet singh bangra to the podcast today thank you so much for joining us manjeet thanks and i thank you for having me <laughs> okay i'm going to read out your introduction and then we'll drive straight in uh, so manjeet grew up in chandigarh and completed his computer science undergrad from punjab engineering college uh, he moved to canada right after graduation and has been working in toronto for the last 5 years He enjoys horseback riding. is content with just watching sports than playing uh, them since his ACL injury. Oh, sorry to hear that. And often can be seen carrying himself with sartorial elegance. <laughs> uh, nice. Uh, yeah. So very excited to have you here, Manjeet. Uh, let's drive straight in. Uh, my first question for you is. do you have a funny story about you that your family likes to talk about that you could share uh, a funny story that's interesting i um actually when i was younger i was a lot in sports uh, i i played nationals in speed skating mm-hmm. and uh, at university level i ran track as well so i would spend entire afternoons playing in the house as well so uh in the afternoons you know how in india parents sometimes take naps and stuff i would yeah. never let them sleep because i would always be playing you remember when we used to play cricket we would have uh, a leather ball and we'd put it in a sock and tie it uh, from uh, from the ceiling and knock her bat with that yeah i would do that the entire afternoon just so that bat is ready for evening and um yeah so i used to get a lot of uh sometimes beatings for that too <laughs> Uh, uh well, and I was just thinking about that line about you carrying yourself with sartorial elegance um I can definitely watch for that like uh Manjeet is with me in the MCV class and he always walks in looking very very dapper with like his blazers and shirts whereas the rest of us are just content being <laughs> potato with a very cut shirts okay um next question Manjeet so what's something new happening in your life right now um i was thinking of starting a youtube channel uh for the longest time my friends have been encouraging me to start a channel where i sing songs to uh acoustic versions of songs oh nice. and um, yeah it's just uh with them being everything i'm not really getting the time but we all have time it's just about management i just need to better it so hoping i can do that this summer oh for sure man for sure uh and one like i i look forward to you starting it uh, one advice i have for you on that is i can see that you're someone who's like a perfectionist um and that sort of comes in the way of uh doing things like this because you want it to be like as best as possible 
but i think what is better to do is just try to do it with the least possible effort you can and focus on consistency so like this podcast has gone against every inch of my being where i want to do so many things uh, that could make it better but i've been like no i will prioritize consistency over perfection and i do things with the least amount of effort so that i can get this episode out every like week and i've realized that that effort that i want to put in or that perfection that i want to get in the people who are like consuming this they don't really care about it that much mm-hmm. uh so like they don't realize that i did not like edit a certain part out or i could have reduced the noise or i could have done this and that so that's something like you should consider like don't think too much about it don't worry like i even for this podcast i can see that like you dressed up you cleaned your um i mean like this cool planner you have in the background like you don't have to do all those things just have a messy background and record your videos people will still enjoy it um, I, i totally that's great <laughs> advice because i personally feel that is what's holding me back because i'm always thinking of what uh, what gadgets i could get to record the best quality do i need a microphone to record a song uh do i need to eliminate any uh, air in the voice so should i get a particular type of microphone or not that kind of stuff but yeah. to your point maybe i should just start recording through my phone and see how where where i go yeah yeah for sure for sure like get the first video out and on your phone and i think people will like people don't care about all that they they'll be there to listen to you so in fact i look forward to it. i i don't have the musical talent but i do enjoy those like there's this guy called kurt hugo schneider i'm sure you've heard of him he he does a lot of like covers of popular songs and i love watching those like videos yeah. where people do and to watch someone i know doing a cover uh is even more fun so like yeah i'm definitely going to watch and subscribe Okay. okay. Uh, that's exciting. Now let's move on to the main topic of discussion for today which is uh, why is hustle culture so toxic? Yeah. And I think <laughs> uh us being in the MBA and you know looking to join um, such demanding industries as consulting and banking and the likes this is a very topical topic to talk about. um so why don't you like how would you want to get started with talking about so i'm just going to describe you a situation like your alarm rings up in the morning you wake up what's the first thing you do you check your phone uh you check if you've received any email overnight you go to the washroom recheck your phone in the washroom <laughs> as well you eat breakfast uh, you know rushing to your work uh you gulp down food in between meetings when you're at work but once you're done when you come back home you're still not done you still have some emails that you need to respond to even though you're hanging out with your friends your family um you're still looking at your phone replying to emails or if there's a presentation that you need to make or if there is there's any deliverable and the cycle repeats uh, right there is no downtime the next day it's the same the same toxic cycle that's that's what i think uh, the hustle culture is it's a standard that uh, you put on yourself that you have to give more than 100% yeah. uh, to succeed right yeah uh, so and it's every single day you you don't stop when you're tired yeah uh, you stop when you're done yeah and yeah. i i i feel it's not sustainable it's not healthy um in any way 
So, and, and on top of that, you have to embrace this facade that you love what you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's almost, um, it, like in, I, I saw it starting in undergrad where it used to be considered a sign of coolness where you'd be like, people would exchange notes on how less they've slept the previous night. So someone would be like, oh, I only got four hours of sleep. The other guy would be like, no, I got only two hours of sleep. And somehow that made uh, like the person who slept the le least uh, cooler. Um, and yeah, this also like stems from the fact that we're all like very competitive people and like you want to get ahead, quote unquote, get ahead in life. And uh, these, it, it's like if, if you sort of take a step back, like if you sort of have boundaries where uh, you say, okay, 6 p.m. or 7 p.m., I'm going to clock out, I'm not going to look at my emails. A, uh, your manager is going to be the first one who's going to like lose because everybody's like this, like your manager, your colleagues, your junior colleagues, everybody does this. So uh, it's, it's very difficult to sort of break this uh, because your manager would be on his phone. Like oh, so far that I've worked in, like if, if I send an email to my manager at 3.30 a.m. at night, by 3.37 a.m., I would have a response back from <laughs> him. Um, and, and that is generally the expectation as well, that you are always available. I've been, uh, when I started my first job working in uh, New York, there were so many times, like literally the first day um, that I went to work, that evening I left work at like 9 p.m. and I was supposed to meet a friend for dinner. I was going to dinner and I got a call that, you know, there's some stuff that needs to be done. And then I was sitting, I, I was that please fix guy sitting in that restaurant on his laptop, <laughs> making some changes on the deck. So what I'm trying to say is that one is, of course, you do these things um, because you want to like get ahead. And if you don't do it, you'll sort of get left behind. You don't want to come off as like someone that's not, you know, dedicated to the cause, who's not like hardworking and diligent and all of that. The other thing is that the ecosystem around you is also not getting towards that. Like it's it's hard if you work for like a organization where, um, like in one of my employers, uh, I've had to like I've had to cancel holidays. I've had to like I was supposed to go attend a friend's wedding in the U.S. when I was working in in Delhi, um, and I'd I'd like said six months in advance that, uh, you know, on this and this date I need to go. Like I'll take three four days off and I go to the U.S. to attend the wedding. And then a week before I had to fly out, they made me cancel the, like the trip. And their excuse is that they have canceled and postponed their own honeymoons for work. So this is just somebody else's wedding. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, this culture is so embedded in, uh, in our offices and sometimes even in families that it's very hard to realize that A, you're in a yeah. toxic culture and B, it gets super challenging to uh, slow down to to not be impacted by it when you see everyone around you is doing that uh, uh, yeah especially like I think Asian families this is yeah. way more where uh, like I'm sure you've you've gone through the uh, Indian engineering grind uh, you can can you talk a bit about that like how how's that process I'm getting oh. into I'm sure you uh, yeah tough school to get in I mean I always wanted to be a sports person uh and uh, 
but for some reason my I come from a middle class family yeah. my parents were uh, like it's very hard to make it big in sports so the only good shot you have is if you get into IITs right <laughs> yeah. and um, right after grade 10 you know started taking tuitions I started taking tuitions mm. uh, prepared for JEE and then my brother's just one year younger and that's where the toxicity comes from because he's someone who actually liked studying physics, who actually enjoyed studying chemistry, whereas I, if anything, I wanted to study history. Yeah. Uh, but nobody gives a shit if you want to study history or not. They either want you to be a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer. Yeah. So, yeah, I remember those two years. Um, it took a toll on my productivity, on my creativity as a as an individual. Yeah. Um, like I was able to crack the exam, but of course, my rank was not good enough. I didn't go there. Um, and even engineering, I I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I had to put in the work because I was in a school where I was in a class where you only had thirty kids and the grades were relative. Yeah. So you just have to outperform everyone else. Yeah. So, yeah. I, so the only lesson that I've taken from that is if I have any younger cousin or if I, I'm going to have kids in the future, I'm not going to put them through that. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, like, I guess we're going off on a tangent, but that's fine. Like, yeah. when I was trying to pick in terms of career choices and what to do, like, what I could see was you can go the liberal arts route where you basically end up the only sort of legitimate career option after that is uh, becoming a professor in the subject that you study. And then you had commerce, uh, which was like becoming a science stuff. So this was like, this seemed like the only option. Like I did not know that, you know, a whole world existed where you could do like 10,000 different things. And now my career advice to like, I have cousins who are younger, who are like in their 11th, 12th grade, trying to decide, maybe 10th grade, trying to decide what to do. And my advice is that instead of like getting the parents to sort of make a decision based on the the uh, like the data that they have to work with, I mean, there's, there's this, especially in Asian cultures, there's this notion that you know you respect your elders and they have a lot of experience, so they know the right thing to do. Uh, the only issue with that is that the data, the experience that they have is a little outdated and yeah. our society changes so quickly that even like what I know from 2011 is very different from what it, the like the education and career world looks like in 2021. So it's best to like, you know, talk to people like how we do now, like in B-School, we talk to, you know, core network on LinkedIn, reach out to people, talk to them about what their job is like, like do yeah. that. Uh, get a sense of what that career looks like. Is, is it for you? And then sort of make a decision. I jumped into it because that's what I've seen. My both from my dad's side and my mom's side of the family. Everybody was an engineer, so it was like, yeah, I have to like. And I was growing up, I was good in math, so it, it seemed yeah. like a no-brainer to just jump into it. And like, yeah, like I agree. I don't, I don't like. I used to think that I'm someone who did not like studying at all. Like I was. Uh, I felt almost like an imposter where I was like, I hate studying, but I also need to study. Like, like you said, like you felt the compulsion to study. Yeah. Um, but what I realized was now, especially like 
uh, when I studied for the CFA, the CFA exam is extremely difficult. Like anyone who's given it knows that the, the curriculum is so vast that it literally takes me a week before the exam just to revise, just to go through the entire syllabus. It takes a week. So you can imagine how vast that syllabus is. But I don't hate it at all. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy every minute of like studying for it because those are things that I want to learn about. Like I want to know how that works. In physics and chemistry and like math, I, I don't care about organic chemistry. <laughs> I don't care about centripetal force. Like, yeah. how is that going to be relevant to my life? Um, yeah, but so, yeah that's, so to your point, it's all about being aware, understanding what you truly love. And then if you're putting um, extra effort in that, then, then it's not draining. Yeah, yeah. As draining, perhaps, as it would be if you're doing something just because everyone else is doing that. Yeah. Um, yeah so i was just saying uh, why do you think it's it's perpetuated so much more nowadays than it was in the past i think it's because um one is of course our society is becoming more and more materialistic um i feel like like for example when my folks were my age there wasn't much to like aspire to like you because of the internet because of easy access to like you know a more aspirational lifestyle yeah. you want those things um you want to get there that's like the sort of carrot side of it where i feel like a few years ago there wasn't much to really work towards and then if you met like a certain threshold you were fine you were happy that was like the goal um and then the stick side of it is it's become more difficult like the demand supply gap is so much uh this sort of i mean in our generation now it's like a running joke about inflation and the fact that uh salaries have not increased as much yeah. as like you know inflation has like you can't afford you can't afford to buy a house um or in terms of like securing a job like in india now getting a good reasonably paying job means that you have to have done engineering from a good school having have done engineering itself is not enough um so that's like the stick side of it where even just to sort of survive just to get the basic you have to work harder and the carrot side of it is there's more things to work hard for and i think those two things combined make it way 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 more like do you also think it's probably because of social media, a lot of social, those uh, social influencers, um, business people, they, they, they propagate this idea that the social culture is actually good for you because in the end it just benefits them more because it gives them more business. Um, do you think social media has a huge role to play in how um, this culture has developed the past few years? And if I've experienced it more so here in North America mm -hmm. than in India, so probably it also has a lot to do with how the economies are. Yeah. Here we are in an absolute capitalist economy compared to India, where we still people are a little more laid back. Yeah, yeah. More so. I feel like so, like the two things that I talked about, the carrot and the stick. I feel like the in India it's more of the stick than the carrot, whereas mm -hmm. in, in North America it's more the carrot than the stick. Like, for example, in, in North America if you work like a blue collar job or you work something in the service industry, I think you can still earn enough if you live in like a local yeah. city and like have like a reasonable quality of life. And the reason why people like 
you know, work harder just because they're not just happy, like having a apartment. They want like a, like a townhouse with the pool. They want like luxury cars. They want to go on these international holidays mm-hmm. and buy all these expensive clothes. Like I'm, I'm, even now, like when I see how like 20 somethings live and the kind of things they spend money on coming from like an Indian mindset, it's, it's absolutely astounding to me that like a, someone in their late twenties, early thirties is uh, buying like a Mercedes or is shopping on those high fashion, like brands uh, spending like $300, $400 on like a sweatshirt. Like it's, uh, and and these are people not not people that who earn like who are millionaires. They choose to look like millionaires. Look like millionaires, or like you know, take away from what would be like their savings. That you know, someone in like for example, someone like okay, I'm not the best example because I feel like I'm also very like I I spend quite a bit more than I should be. But on an average, someone with like a that Asian mindset, the percentage that they'll save from their income versus here, uh, in terms of like going out to eat, yeah. it's it's quite excessive, um, and it's not in proportion to what you earn. So you basically cut cut from your savings, and that once you get used to that sort of lifestyle, you want to keep you know maintaining that. Uh, yeah. Let's let's talk about hustle culture and how it impacts our health. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm seeing a lot more health issues in young individuals now yeah. uh, than there used to be like 10 years ago. Um, people have consistently high cortisol levels. Yeah. And um, if, if when you have that for a long period of time, it leads to burnout. Yeah. Not only that, it could lead to a lot of health issues. Um, so what, what are your thoughts on how people can avoid that let's say like I, I enjoy working out I'm a huge proponent of playing sports I feel uh, people should take care of health but then the, the jobs that we have today and on top of that the hustle culture it makes it really hard for us to take care of our health so since you since you've worked in industries where it's very common for people to work 14 16 hours a day mm-hmm. was there a way for people to take care of their health or nobody just cares so i mean i have seen people like i said like we were talking about before starting the podcast people in and in demanding industries like investment banking consulting are also very very driven and hardworking people so they work really hard to so like for example if they're in the office till like 11 p.m midnight they'll still squeeze in a workout at mid on like at 12 o'clock at night or they'll still wake up like a couple of hours in the morning before, like maybe like a 3 a.m., 4 a.m. to squeeze in the workout. But it does start taking a toll because working out is one aspect of it, which again, like if you don't have the time, like how how will you like go? When will you go? Where you're already struggling to get time to sleep. So time is a big issue. Like you don't just have time to do these things. Sleep gets impacted. Um, there's a book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker, I think is the author's name that became really viral in like 2017. And he talks about the fact that um, if you sleep later than you should, or you, if you wake up earlier than you should, it has 
far reaching like i've always had this mindset where you know during the week um i'll build up like a sleep debt and then on the weekend i'll sort of compensate for that by taking a nap in the afternoon but he says that that's not healthy that's that does not like compensate for it and it leads to like degradation in the way your brain works your memory works your processing works um so sleep gets uh, impacted and then diet uh you have late nights in the office working and then you all take off and you have i mean as much as you are driven in like you know trying to keep yourself healthy imagine you have to stay in the office till like 2 a.m. 3 a.m. at night working on something really stressful it's not working out uh you're not going to order a salad like that uh, <laughs> ordering something nice for dinner um <laughs> like one sort of shred of joy that you get in working that miserable night at the office so that like your diet starts getting compromised as well so your health in terms of exercise your diet and your sleep all those three things get screwed up and i haven't even started talking about like your mental health because you're consistently yeah. living under the um and i and i think mental and physical well-being and productivity are interrelated correlated so yeah. if to your point if uh your health your mental well-being is uh is at risk because of this work culture then you would need more time because you're not as productive and the quality of work also lowers yeah. so start really helping anyone like i'm in favor of four day work week mm. uh there's this new move where uh you know four day work week is being uh tested in few countries yeah. i think I, i think and they've so far they've received positive results i think it would be great i wouldn't have so much time on my hands to do the things that i actually like uh pursue my hobbies uh which i think would then feed into me being more productive mm-hmm. so i'll be happier and i would be able to get same or more amount of work done in four days than what i was getting in five days yeah my only issue with that is like theoretically you can have that implemented i mean even if the the five day work week that we currently have with let's say like a nine to five or eight to six even uh if that is sort of followed to the t that's also good enough the issue starts happening is that that spills over to late nights that spills over to the weekend and then you don't have anything left mm-hmm. so even if you officially have a four day work week but then you're working friday saturday and sunday then you're working late nights then it sort of goes back to the same thing so it's not just like an official change on paper but like it needs to be actually practiced like i remember when the pandemic hit and everybody started working from home um there was no like lunch time there was like back yeah. calls and like in the first couple of weeks uh people realized that they had because everything that could have been just like a casual like walking over to someone's desk was now becoming a call as well um they had like these quote unquote quiet hours where like from 12 to 2 pm you could not schedule any meetings okay. but that wasn't enforced because obviously yeah. there's always shit hitting the fan so many fires to be fought where like this quiet hour a quiet hour takes a back seat and then you end up being like okay uh that's the only slot i have available okay let's chat at 12 and then again went back to being the same thing so what i'm saying is that 
it needs there needs to be a way to enforce these things otherwise when you and that sort of comes like okay another book that i read was called margin which which really really made like an impact on me so what they talk about is that we live our lives every aspect of our lives being stretched thin where there's absolutely no margin there's no margin in terms of time like if let, let's say someone says manjit let's go do this thing or i need you to help me with this thing over the weekend if mm-hmm. i tell it to you like with a short notice you probably don't have like you will not able to do that because you will already have commitments you don't have that when it comes to money uh people just live paycheck to paycheck even if they're earning like 150000 they'll be spent their expenses will match that mm-hmm. uh in terms of like the work that they do in terms of mental health there's no there's no margin at all for like you know things to go wrong and which is why this sort of stress happens um so uh that that is like the uh, the issue with like these long working hours yeah how to work all the deliverable or the expectation needs to be such that there is like a margin baked in where it's not like you basically stretch yourself to the limit possible because then even if you have four hour work weeks but if there is that deliverable which is beyond uh, like it's not feasible to achieve that that that's what used to happen in consulting and investment banking right you you give you get there were so many times on like a friday at 5:30 pm i'd be given something to work on which like let's say if it was an assignment or document we'd take a good 2 3 weeks to do which i was yeah. supposed to get done over a weekend the only way i would finish that is if i'm working on it continuously every single hour and from their side they can say don't don't work on it too late like they literally it felt like a slap in the face where they'll be walking out of the office and they'll say oh i need you need this by tomorrow morning but don't work stay up too late no <laughs> it's like from their side they're saying yeah i've been not asking you to work late but then you've given me so much work that i am going to be forced to work late so uh, this this toxic culture fosters um this toxicity where they make you feel guilty for for not uh, giving more than 100% yeah right? yeah yeah did you ever have feel that guilt or uh if you did how did you fight it or did you just not no i it? i couldn't fight it like the the whole thing was like th- there's so many times where so um there have been times where uh, you know I, i've gone into the office I've, i've been working on things where like when i told told this to like a friend or a family member or a partner they'd be like oh why don't you just tell them that you know you can't do it or you won't be available or uh, and that just seemed sacrilegious to me like i can't even imagine that as a possibility yeah. to say no because yeah if i say no what it communicates is that i'm not willing to do what needs to be done which means that i am not like you know meeting their expectation which yeah. means that when it comes to the time of appraisal or getting promoted or getting your pick of projects i will uh not be given those privileges and i mean it's also that i mean you put in the effort so you get to get rewarded as well like uh i worked really hard for my employer uh when i was working in the us and because of that 
when the next opportunity came, I was moved to Lon the London office in the UK. If I'd been slacking off, if I was, you know, saying that, no, I can't work this week and I wasn't doing what was required, I would not have gotten that opportunity. So you sort of, you also do get rewarded for what you put in. What? I wouldn't call that, like, why would you call that slacking off? Right now you're overperforming, hmm. uh, but there must be a middle ground, but that middle ground's never enough. That's as bad as slacking off. Yeah, there's, because the, the people, it's, it's relative, right? If they have to pick one person to send to the London office, and there are, let's say, five people who are potential contenders, if four, they just need one person to do so, like, whoever is going beyond the baseline will get picked. So you have to uh, do that. Go as far as you can from the baseline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is, and it, this sort of expectation and all of that is also like a function of the industry that you work in. I've mm -hmm. found that if you work in like a client-based industry, so like consulting, investment banking, where you have a client to like work for, the expectations are a little more unrealistic because you're trying to please someone else and like yeah. you know, their whims. Whereas if you work in-house, then there's like less, there's more predictability. Like you plan the entire calendars in advance and unless things go wrong, you you have more predictability. You don't have to, um, you know, put in the extra hours uh, because suddenly something comes up. But, yeah. I, I also feel a lot of people... Um, they hustle not because they want to do good but they want to avoid addressing certain emotions or uh, situations in their personal lives it's it's an escape for them i would say that's an interesting take and um like i'd like you to talk more about it um, okay. the only perspective i have is that a lot of my senior colleagues at my work did they refuse to go home like even if they're not working on something they just stay in the office and chat with each other because they would rather chat with each other and then go home to their families and like you know do whatever yeah. they have to do which I mean, sort of i remember i had a friend and he passed away from cancer so it was a really tough time for me uh, uh and after he passed away i think i just dig myself in work and I was working 13, 14 hours a day because I just didn't want to deal with the emotion of not having my friend around. I I think it helped me, but I I, I don't think it was a healthy way to cope uh, with the loss of my friend. Like in the long run, I think I started having uh, posture issues because I was sitting in front of the screen for way too long. And for some reason I didn't get a standing table uh <laughs> i should have um but yeah i i think it helped me in a way so maybe it was a positive for me um but again in the long run once you get out of that feeling you realize that you've been you've been coping it the wrong way it's it's like you want to uh get rid of a certain drug so you pick another drug yeah yeah, yeah. i i, I... Like, I, I don't know how I feel about this because on some level, I do think that it's it's fine. Like, because emotions like losing someone or uh, I haven't experienced that very closely in a long time, but like other sort of negative emotions of disappointment or heartbreak, 
um, you need some sort of a way. Like those are like five, six stages of grief. Like the first one is denial. And while you're in denial, you yeah. need a way to sort of block out the pain and having something. It's better this than, you know, substance abuse or something else uh, in, the, in that regard. Like, uh, I don't think you can s- jump the first few steps of grief and just go straight to acceptance. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like my take. So from that perspective, it's like, it, it makes sense to me like to focus on your work. At least that's something that you should be doing as a, as a side effect. Other parts of your life will benefit rather than doing something yeah. where as a side effect, uh, other parts of your life start also freaking out. Yeah losing out but yeah like that that's an interesting uh, reason for this sort of hustle culture as well but i don't think that is a big majority of people like who are involved like the reasons that we've discussed before are probably make up mm-hmm. like in, in terms of people who do this as a percentage of like the whole population yeah. that you know, works these long hours. I think that'd be like a small um, yeah. But I do feel this this population of people who are doing it to avoid certain emotions, it is increasing. Like our society is becoming more individualistic day by day. Yeah. People don't have meaningful friendships. Yeah. Uh, uh, they don't have friends. So the only way for them to feel useful um uh, if they cannot if they cannot be part of someone's life they're going to be helped to a friend i think the best way for them to feel uh valuable is to contribute uh at work or mm-hmm. just just that, that, that i can see that i can see yeah. yeah like you have no other sort of self-fulfillment no self-actualization pathways and yeah. your job basically becomes your identity in any sort of sense of accomplishment and it it makes sense like even for me if you ask me what is like my proudest accomplishment i'll pick something from like work and to do well in that space is like this cycle of you know you do well and you feel nice about it and you want to do it It it's almost like a drug and in that sense like i i agree with you and so tell me if money was not an issue yeah. Uh, what would you pick as a career choice? Oh, that's a. <laughs> I, I've thought about it quite a bit, and most probably it'll be like running my own restaurant in um, like a slightly more remote location, not not like. Mm, that reminds me of my aunt. So she um, she opened up a restaurant in uh, Fergus. Fergus is a small town north of Ontario. Okay. And she did that a few years ago, and at that, at that time, yeah. um, there weren't any Indian restaurants there. Mm. And it's a white-dominated town, yeah, sure. uh, but people uh, were looking for, they wanted uh, an Indian restaurant, and yeah. she opened up her own place, and yeah. it was a success. So maybe you could do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I really, like... I would love to live in, you know, the sparsely populated towns in almost the middle of nowhere. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I don't know about like the town you mentioned, if it's if that, like if it's, you know, maybe 200 families live in that town. That That is the kind of remote place that I want to. The only reason I'm not going, moving to a place like that is because 
I can't think of any career prospects that I could have unless I find a job that like I can work with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's that's uh, I what can understand why. What, you... what would you do if like money was not there? Oh, um, I would. Uh, I would honestly live on a farm, breed horses. Uh, or a restaurant um a small restaurant not nothing big uh, something um, run by family by my family or myself uh yeah i would would love to do that i think i think food so when when you have a family run a restaurant a small restaurant you can pay attention uh in terms of what I'm trying to say is you make food with love. It's not mechanical. It's yeah. not uh, industrial. Um, and that's, uh, that's how food should be made. Yeah. So. yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think why I say like a small, sparsely populated town is because if you think of opening a restaurant in downtown Toronto, A, your costs are going to be very, very high. So to make it break even or, or like just to run it properly, you'd, the demand would be so high that you need it to be efficient. You need to like running these restaurants, especially like these sort of high-end mission star restaurants is like a very, very stressful job. You work like 14, 15 hours every day. Uh, so that's not the kind of thing I imagine. I imagine like a more relaxed, you know, like those, uh, I've seen this more in like Europe where these places would literally open at like 10 a.m. and then shut down by like 1 p.m. and then maybe we'll open again for like a couple of hours in the evening and that's it. Like that's the total <laughs> operating hours. Um, so so something something like that. Um, well, that would be that that sounds very sweet. <laughs> it reminds me of the parable of the Mexican fisherman. Have you have you heard of that? Uh, no, actually I haven't. One second. Uh, I will probably not do it justice. So I'm gonna look it up and read it out for you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really good on it's exactly on this topic. Um, yeah, it's, it's called the parable of the Mexican fisherman and investment banker. It's like 10, 12 lines, but I'm going to read it out because it's so good. Um, an American investment banker was taking a much needed vacation in a small coastal Mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman docked. The boat had several large fresh fish in it. The investment banker was impressed by the quality of fish and asked the Mexican how long it took to catch them. The Mexican replied, only a little while. The banker then asked why he didn't stay out longer and catch more fish. Uh, the Mexican fisherman replied, he had enough to support his family's immediate needs. The American then asked, but what do you do with the rest of your time? The Mexican fisherman replied, I sleep late, fish a little, play with my children, take a siesta with my wife, stroll into the village each evening where I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life, Senor. The investment banker scoffed. Uh, the investment banker scoffed. I'm an Ivy League MBA and I could help you. You could spend more time fishing and with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat. And with the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats until eventually you could have a fleet of fishing boats. Instead of selling your cash to the middleman, you could sell directly to the processor, eventually opening your own cannery. You could control the product processing and distribution. Then he added, of course, you would need to leave this small coastal fishing village and move to Mexico City, 
where you would run your growing enterprise. The Mexican fisherman asked, but senor, how long will it all take? To which the American replied, 15 to 20 years. But what then, asked the Mexican. The American laughed and said, that's the best part. When the time is right, you would announce an IPO and sell your company stock to the public and become very rich. You could make millions. Millions or not, then what? To which the investment banker replied. Then you would retire. You could move to a small coastal fishing village where you would sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take a siesta with your wife, stroll to the village in the evenings and where you could sip wine and play a guitar with your amigos. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have heard of this story, but I didn't know it was called the parable of the Mexican fisherman, Mr. Macker. But I, I, I see what you're, the point you're trying to make, and it makes so much sense. Um, like sometimes we have everything uh, that we need to be happy, yeah. but we choose to not accept it because uh, for some reason we feel that we we don't deserve it i guess and then we uh, we take the longer route uh go through all the hoops and uh, you know work for 15 20 years and then try to get the same thing that uh, we always had in front yeah. of us yeah. i think this have you read the four hour work week uh yes i think i have yeah i not sure if this was in that, but like he basically talks about the fact that when you ask people, why do you want to be rich? People don't want to be rich. People want to lead the lifestyle that rich people lead where, you know, you spend your afternoon doing whatever you want. And, and the, the thought is that, yeah, you work, you work till your retirement and then you sort of take your holiday. But yeah, he says that, I mean, by then you're so old, you run out of energy that you won't really be able to enjoy it. Whereas like right now you, you can do that. You can take like mini retirements every year and do what you want to do. Um, and then of course his old book talks about things you can do to get there. But the point being that this sort of mindset of, you know, being part of the rat race and working hard eventually to get what you want, because I, I don't know, like when people ask me, even when I joined Rotman, people were like, what is your, uh, like, what do you want to achieve in life? Or what is yeah. your goal? I was, I was asked this question in the BCG interview and I said, I, my life goal in life is, uh, I just want to be happy. You know, that's them. Like, if you want something more tangible, I can give you, but like, eventually the whole reason I'm jumping through this whole circus of job interviewing, finding a job is that at the, at the end of the day, I want to be able to do what I want to do and be happy. So that's yeah. like the end goal. Um, and so, so, so maybe uh, the problem with why hustle culture is impacting us so much is because we all lack perspective. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would think so. And but but the good thing is I think that's changing. Like with with the pandemic and the great resignation, yeah. I feel like a lot of people are realizing that you know it's not it's not required to be living life like this yeah I, I know during the pandemic a lot of people once they realized they don't need to come to downtown offices and all mm. they started uh buying up pieces of land uh, up north yeah and uh, they decided to move to a smaller towns like the ones you want to uh, yeah. small towns with like 200 300 families uh people have started doing that already yeah that that sounds like my my, my goal in the next 10 years is to 
find a small town somewhere yeah. in british columbia not ontario because i can't stand the snow cool. <laughs> in the cold uh, and then let's just live there hopefully get something by the lake and work from there uh, um, yeah but i don't know how how they'll pan out how like the landscape of working and working remotely will change but it's oh, yeah. more doable now than it did 2 years ago it is definitely doable it's, <laughs> it's uh, very much doable a lot of people do it um you you can make it happen for sure yeah and it is big there's so much land available <laughs> uh, uh, yeah you can do it yeah yeah Let, let's let's see how it comes out so just i i make it a point i manifest a lot um about my the goal to have a farm breed horses and all that i i do that a lot i'm hoping that i sh- i i am able to do that in the next 5 to 10 years what as well what kind of goals are you um can you can you share um, um so the goal would just be to uh, develop a breed of my own a new breed oh. horses yeah so the thing is um uh, the so in india you have your uh, the famous breeds are marwadi breed the gatiawadi and this the nukra breed but for some reason the indian government has put a, a restriction on uh, import exporting uh, your those breeds uh, to foreign countries so you cannot bring those breeds to those countries and really love those breeds so i want to create something that's very similar to those breeds oh, fascinating that's that's a very unique goal that i have never heard not not nothing even remotely in that area so uh, that, that's not that i know much about horse breeding or anything but i'm just <clears throat> very interested to know about horses and it started with me learning horseback riding so yeah. i'm i'm sure like uh one of the things that i think i've talked about on this podcast as well is that what differentiates people who are very successful from those that aren't is the mindset of the like, kind of growth mindset versus a fixed mindset and the growth mindset is that you know everything is figured out to you so if you want to figure out how to breed horses I, I, you can you can you don't have to be born in a family that's been breeding horses yeah. for generations for you to do that yeah. absolutely i wish you all the best on your i look forward to your youtube channel launching soon and then you bring the horses launching after that uh, maybe a few years down the line hopefully okay let's uh, we've been going for a while let's begin to wrap up any final okay. thoughts on the topic uh final thoughts i, I all i would say is uh, this culture is very much embedded in our day to day lives and it can get hard to realize that you're part of it mm. and it's all starts uh, with um awareness uh understanding your body um being in tune with your body means understanding how your energy levels are uh, i think that's a great marker uh to to figure out if uh you're doing well or not and then just uh, we don't reward ourselves enough we don't take enough breaks uh we should we should make it a habit of uh, rewarding ourselves and you know taking much deserved breaks yeah Mm, I, I don't have anything to add to that you've sort of summarized it well um and i think with that uh we can move on to the final section i'm very excited uh, like i mentioned to you we i'm um, introducing a new final section changing things around a little bit 
Mm-hmm. So this is the rapid fire section when you would ask okay. you like six questions right. and you just answer them. You don't have to give any explanations on why you gave sure. that answer. And sure. I don't want you to think too much about what it's to say, whatever comes to mind first. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Okay. First question. What is one thing people often get wrong about you? Um, that I care a lot about what's on the surface and um, I, I'm not as profound. So that's, that's one thing that I think people get wrong about me. Okay. Well, not the ones who know me well, but... Yeah. Uh, know you from like a distance. Okay. What is the last TV show you watched and loved? Um, I watched Queen's Gam- Gambit. Is that yeah. the one? Yeah. yeah. I loved it. Sorry? Was it the one about the chess? Yes, yes, the one about chess. I got so inspired. I started watching strategies um, <laughs> about chess. Um, very inspiring show. I absolutely loved it. Okay, I will check it out. Um, what is your favorite meal? Um, the chicken thighs that I bake. Uh, chicken thighs? Yeah. Really have it sometime, like, I would like to try it out. No, for sure, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. So um, I got ACL here uh, last year mm-hmm. and I saw playing soccer after that. And I've been trying to rehab on my own and everything. And recently I started playing squash with uh, Raghav. Yeah. And uh, the fact that I can play squash and the fact that my knee doesn't hurt after that, that gives me great joy. <laughs> oh, I can, yeah. ah, that's nice. Uh, okay, what is one thing you are deeply grateful for right now? I think all the opportunities that we have, the fact that I can even think of uh, having my own farm someday or I feel that it's possible. Uh, I'm just so thankful that I'm healthy and um, you know I have all these opportunities that I could cash. Um, yeah. And then final question, who would you like featured as the next guest on the podcast? Um, I would say, uh, I would have said Raghav, but you've already done Raghav. <laughs> I, um, I would say Rohan, Rohan Thomas. Rohan Thomas, okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll get him on the podcast soon. And with that, that's the end. Uh, thank you so much for joining uh, me today, Manjeet, this topic you chose was something very close to my heart. I wanted to talk about this for a while. And yeah. um, I know due to different reasons, we started got an opportunity to interact quite a yeah. bit in the last few weeks. And it's been really nice getting to know you. And I feel like I got to know so much more about you today. So well, likewise, thank you so much for having me over. Yeah, uh, lovely. Um, and with that, I'm going to stop recording now. Uh, okay.